Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Discovery. Hi, guys, I'm your host, Clarence, and today we're going to be talking about the eighth episode of Star Trek Discovery Season 2 entitled If Memory Serves. Joining me today, as always, are my fellow co hosts, slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who Story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I am doing absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to talk about this episode. So, yeah, um, glad to be back. Also, we have with us, returning to the cast, is the Stargate historian, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back. Awesome, man. We are glad to have you on. What we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. If you like this show, if this is your first time listening, you may have stumbled upon us while searching the vast podcast directories out there. Please give us a, give us a subscribe. Go ahead and add us to the podcast player of your choice so you won't miss an episode. And we are glad to have you guys on. Dude, do you guys have any news to talk about before we get into the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery? Well, I have one question, and you ask us, how are we? The question then becomes, how are you? I am doing great, man. I have nothing to complain about. Hey, and there we have the uh, tech story joining us. Carrie, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How's everybody doing? We're doing great, man. Glad to have you on. And we are ready to just dive into this review of, again, the eighth episode of Star Trek Discovery Season 2, If Memory Serves. This episode aired March 7th, 2019. The journey to solve the mystery of the Red Angel takes Spock and Burner to Talos 4, where history plays a vital role in understanding the secrets hidden within Spock's brain. Meanwhile, back on Discovery, <laughs> Cobra figures out how to live with the person he has become. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Bum, For- bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. All right, guys, let's go around the horn and just get your high-level view of what you thought of the episode. And I'll start first with the returning cast member, Carrie. How's it going, man? And go ahead and just tell us what you think about the episode, you know, on a high level. Well... I've been previously engaged with other things, so I haven't really been keeping up because I didn't want to get spoiled. But I caught up this past weekend, and all I have to say is, when did he learn how to fight? <laughs> Cobra? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, man, he went toe-to-toe with Ash Tyler. Toe-to-toe know. with the Klingon. Yeah, so, hey, I, maybe the new body is a newfound lease on his uh, fighting skills, man. I don't know. Pull the Neo. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, Kyle Jones, man, what is your high level view of this episode, man? Oh, high level. This this season just keeps building and building. And my enjoyment of this series just keeps building and building. So there you go. That's high level. Awesome. Yes. And we'll swing it to the other returning cast member, Jeremy, man. What is your high level view of this episode, man? Well, I think high level might be quite of a stretch, but um, uh oh, <laughs> for me, for me, for me, uh oh. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, I, I'm like Carrie. I was kind of behind a couple of episodes. So I kind of had to binge the last three today, and uh, it was it was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. You hurt me. I, you hurt me, bro. <laughs> I, I, I have some nitpicking, but I mean, it was pretty good. So, with that being said. I'm going to ask you and Carrie, I don't think you have, but I want to just throw this out there. Have you seen the originally originally commissioned Star Trek pilot, The Cage? I have not seen The Cage, but a guy from that I work with, he kind of spoiled the beginning of this episode for me as far as like the preview. But I thought it was really cool how they tied it in. But I don't really know how closely because I haven't seen The Cage. So there you go. What about you, Jeremy? I saw it on Netflix several months ago, but I don't, I I have memory watching it, but I don't remember the episode itself. Well, let me watch it, but it didn't happen. Uh, 
So let me go ahead and give some feedback from one of our listeners, Eric Heatherton in Canada. And he's seen every episode of Star Trek and he's been around a while and he's, he's just a Star Trek fan at heart. And this is what he says about this. What a way to affirm canon. They just bridge the gap between the oldest film Star Trek material and the most recent by moving from scenes from Jeffrey Hunter's Pike to Anson Mount as the story begins. The cage. He looks exactly like him. (laughs) He does look a lot like him. The cage is accelerated light years ahead in time from a TV pilot shot over 50 years ago to events that occurred a mere two or three years ago, uh, ago in the perspective of the current show that we're watching. Awesome. Totally awesome. It's his response. So Kyle, I know you have seen the cage. And we've reviewed it on this very podcast. Yes, indeed we have. So having that history behind you, what did you think about this intro recap that we got at the beginning of the episode? Oh, dude, I completely one million and one percent absolutely love this. I mean, everything about it from the the tie in to the cage to the way they did it. It actually reminded me a little bit of what we got in Twice Upon a Time last year at the Christmas uh, special for Doctor Who, uh, not this past Christmas, but Christmas before last, where they went back to the 1960s and then brought it current. So same tech, not necessarily same technique, but same thought process of how they tied the two. I can't say anything bad about it. I thought it was done amazingly. So I'm hands down. I loved it. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, From my personal perspective, you know, again, I keep saying it, but I was punching the air like our co-host Lee Shackford says, because I was freaking pumped from this intro slash recap and the way they transitioned right into our current Captain Pike, Anson Mount, just freaking beautiful and just a testament to how they originally shot everything on film because that film you're seeing is 50 years old from a television show and it still still looks pretty good if you ask yeah. me it looks like they scanned the actual um film and like remastered it yeah just beautiful beautiful so how surprised were you as a longtime trekker how surprised were you that 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 preview popped up. Like, how shocked were you? You know what? When uh, Spock had his uh, dyslexia, whatever you call it, stuff going on, and they said Talos 4 in the last episode, I, you know, every Trek fan of old knew that was coming up. I did not know they would go so directly for the nostalgia pull or n- nostalgia grab here at the very beginning of the episode. But the fact that they did, it made me very happy. <laughs> it made me very happy. And I just want to say, like, from what I've seen, like, the negativity towards Star Trek Discovery and all the people, like, downplaying it and saying it's not legitimate. This is like a huge middle finger to all those people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, this is canon, folks. This is canon. Right. Complain if you want to. <laughs> So I have a question for you guys, considering what we're talking about with the tying of the old footage to the new show. Did you guys find it a bit jarring to see or did it not bother you seeing three sets of characters, the Telosians, um, the lady and Pike all look different in this montage than they did at um you know during the, this story proper personally on my for me i think each of the actors they brought in um to transition this of course the Talosians were in in costume which their costumes still were a bit different um i thought it was a modern representation of what we had before but still very true to 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 the history that we've had as well. So I, I thought it fit perfectly if you're looking at an updated 2019 show that is representing something that is so old. And I think we're kind of used to that idea. We, we've had, you know, the Kelvin verse go on successfully for a few years now. So maybe the fact that we're transitioning to new actors is not as jarring 
as as you would think it is. And of course, you being a Doctor Who fan, you've had that experience very well uh, as of late. Bingo. And, you know, the way I rationalized it and actually considering the title, my thought here kind of ties in to the title itself. You know, they say that our memories, no matter how well we recall these memories, unless you have one of those photographic memories, most people don't necessarily remember everything exactly how it happened. So my thought was you're seeing Pike and he's thinking and experiencing the memories as we're seeing these things oh. flooding in to the beginning. Good. And that's why things looked a little different. Good analysis. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as the set pieces, they didn't really bother me that much. Um, and as far as the actors go, um, like, to me, the people that they cast for the new people, they look very, very, very close to the old one. So they really didn't bother me at all. The the biggest, I guess, disparity was Spock. But as far as Spock goes, you know, I'm already used to or I've been, you know, a kind of I'm used to another actor being Spock as far as, you know, Zachary Quinto. So Ethan Peck, Spock, even like except for the hipster beard, like it, it didn't really bother me at all. What about you, Jeremy? Any thoughts? I know you, you're kind of opposed to the earlier look of, of TOS versus what we get during the TNG era forward. So how did, how did this feel to you? You being somebody who are not as much of a fan as that original look of Star Trek? I don't know. It, it, it didn't jar me. It didn't affect me. It was, it just, it just fit. It all fit. So I wouldn't, I have no adverse reaction to it. Cool, cool. And I think, like, I think we have, like, is this might make people mad, but I think we have Star Wars to thank for part of that because we've already kind of experienced like these different timelines and different movies, you know, and like timelines jumping around and things looking different. So, like, at least subliminally, we're all kind of used to that. Yeah, I think one of you guys might have mentioned that, but it's like that, you know, with that in the back of my head, it really didn't bother me at all, to be honest. I'm with Jeremy. Awesome. Moving moving along into a little bit more of the story, we start off with Giorgio and Leland talking to what looks like Admirals of Federation about the fact that we have Rogue Burnham and Spock uh, defying orders and, you know, are kind of being searched after uh, because Spock goes the key to the Red Angel and they're trying to find him. And Burnham is, you know, kind of kind of went rogue with him. So. <laughs> I just keep loving Giorgio so much. What do we think about Giorgio and these opening scenes? Do we have any idea on her true intentions and, and maybe even talk about a little bit about how she's putting Leland in his place? So she, yeah, she wants to run section 31. So she's just getting him out of the way, basically yeah. <laughs> making him look worse and worse. Yeah. So true. I am liking Mirror Giorgio more and more. I, I didn't care for her at all, the Mirror version, like at all before. But she is she is starting to grow on me and I'm starting to appreciate I guess her motivations. Yeah. What so about? this 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 helping her cause in my in my in my eyes. So there we go. Okay, well I think she's awesome. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I have nothing other uh, you know, nothing else other than to say then, oh, I like this. I like this. I like this. But I truly like this. I like this. I like this. There's uh, everything she does, I think, is awesome. And the way Michelle Yeoh plays the character, she comes off as being nice, nasty. And she does it yeah. very, very good. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. She That's actually a great way to put that. I never thought of the nice, nasty. <laughs> nice, as, uh, nasty. Yeah, that's kind of as, a dig, right? Isn't that kind of a dig? <laughs> yeah, but, she, but that's what she, she softened up a little bit. It's, like she has since she's been in this universe. She softened up quite a bit. I mean, I, I guess don't think she's softened up. No, she didn't really have calculated. a <laughs> She didn't really have a choice, I guess. But I feel like she has. I mean, she can't be that Terran in this universe. It's not going to get her anywhere. Up as much as she's hold, just holding back out of necessity. How about I uh, meet you in the middle and say that she has softly adapted? Yeah, that works too. Yeah, okay, I cool. Agree with that. <laughs> so Jojo also makes a comment when she's walking back into the bridge of the Section Thirty One ship that she doesn't like the Federation's reliance and maybe even the Section Thirty One's reliance on computerized analysis. 
for executing different missions and things like that. And she makes a comment that in, in you know, in the Terran Empire, uh, they did things um, in a more manual way. Now, I'm going to take that and extrapolate out to that. I think our future threat theory here. I think our future threat that's coming back in the visions from Spock is actually the, the rogue federation slash third section 31 AI, um, that is causing havoc in the future. Gone, gone crazy. I think that's the threat that we have here. Any thoughts on my theory? Am I crazy? Cause John mentioned a couple of episodes ago uh, of his podcast that, um, section 31 is actually run by an artificial intelligence. I think this is more of a book thing. Uh, but I think they may be bringing it in here as maybe being the reason for the future threat. Thoughts? Mm. Am I crazy? I can buy it. I can buy that. I because think we're I'm open afraid. to anything. And, and maybe one of the reasons I'm pushing that forward so much is the one of the things we see um, that by the time we get to the end of this episode, or maybe even in the previews for the next episode, is Arium, as we've seen in the previous episode, <laughs> giving getting the upload of the intelligence from the future. I'm thinking it's somehow linked to that same AI that's running Section 31 slash Federation behind the scenes. That's Can I just say I'm so glad they're doing something with that character besides having her stand around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like after what happened in the comics in the mirror universe, like I'm like just slowly and ever so slightly freaked out by that character. Like I just think that like it it's just like like part of me like I don't know when the Borg are introduced to like Star Trek, but like so like this is like freaking me out. Like I feel like this might be the Borg. I know that's probably like an idiotic thing to say, oh my but God. That's well, who I think it is. Now I know the Borg aren't really around, aren't around during TOS era. But if this is a future threat that has come back, it could be introduced in a way, and they can resolve it, you know, in the confines of Discovery, and then the rest of um, the Star Trek universe can go on as we know and love it, you know, up until you know the the um, the TOS the uh, TNG era. So I do kind of get your point, Carrie. It could be the well, Borg. Yeah, the- yeah, the the Borg have gone back in the past before, like in First Contact, yep. and there was an episode of uh, Totally Right Enterprise where they found them in Antarctica, I believe. Totally. So it would it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility that you know they would somehow snake forward one way or another. Were they on Enterprise? It, I do not remember that. There was an episode of Enterprise. They were. I don't think they were mentioned specifically as the Borg, but they found like two drones, one or two drones in uh, Antarctica. Wow, that's interesting. And Doctor Fox, Doctor Fox is actually resistant to their um, to converting to the to that. So, you yes. know, they're already all, all over history, and history is just as we know, time travel is a weird construct anyway. Yes, yeah, certainly. So it, it, it's very possible. Yeah, I yeah. just feel like at some point, like um, Arium is going to like reveal herself, even though it's not really her. I feel like she's gone. Like she's like. She's just biding her time, you know. I just, I don't think that, I mean, one of two things can happen, at least in my opinion. Like, this is from an idiot's perspective, a Star Trek idiot's perspective. Like, either she is going to, like, at some point join this other, like, regime or whatever you want to call them, or, like, they're going to, like, save her or something. But I, I don't know. I just, I have a feeling she's going to be, like, evil. Yeah, yeah, well, I do. Do we know how sentient she is? Like, is she a full robot with sentience? Is she, like, a highly evolved program? I mean, what do we really know about her to begin with? Yeah, we don't know the percentage of her cybernetic parts, but she is a... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what... You know, no, no, no. I was just, I think I was saying what you're, you were... Saying Clarence is that she's a cy. I've always seen her as a cyborg. Yeah. So let's let's just transition and get a little bit more of this episode's story. Uh, Burnham and Spock arrived at Talos Four. Um, first off, what do you guys think of Spock's justification for going to Talos Four in the first place? And I'm going to direct this to Carrie. What do you think of his his justification for going in the first place? Well, I think that was one of the, you know, one of the things that made it really interesting, like as far as the way they tied it into the old series is like he does have experience with the, how do you say it? The Telosians. Telosians. He has experience with them. So 
Um, and, you know, the way they kind of explain it as far as like knowing that the Starfleet and, you know, their medicine and their medical, they weren't going to be able to help them. So um, it seemed pretty logical. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do totally agree with that. But one huge mistake, and I've seen other people complaining about this, they didn't actually show him getting cured on screen. They didn't show mm. that. The, the, to me, those is a huge miss. Maybe it's a time thing, but they didn't. I felt like when they were going through his memories, they kind of sorted things out for him. At least that's that was my per, per you know my perspective. Is I I didn't really I wasn't really looking for that moment. I figured once they started digging through his mind, they were going to kind of sort it out for him. But I don't know. Good point. Good point. Good point. And Jeremy, I'll direct this to you, man. What do you what do you think about the fact that? And I feel like this was just thrown in there for story purposes, really didn't make a lot of sense. But what did you think about the fact that in order to cure Spock of this uh, illness, we have to know the memory of what happened between you and Burnham? Really? I thought that was, I really thought that was just too convenient, too, <laughs> too, too much of a plot point to really just I, – I, I, that just that was really just way too convenient to the plot to to have to have the key be that memory of the person who brought them here. Mm. And, you know, it's just just that was too much for me. It was more more of them, you know, needing something in return. I didn't really see it as that being that essential to curing him because I mean, if you think about it, he was already okay once that happened. Like they were getting ready to leave. I just assumed that was the price of. You know, they could sense that I guess they could sense that memory inside inside of Burnham and they were wanting to like dig deeper into it is, you know, I felt it was more of a get context of their relationship type thing. I didn't think it was essential. I'm going to take it in a completely different direction. I see this as some aliens on a planet who have mental powers and they were bored. And that was their TV episode <laughs> for the evening. I mean, seriously, these right. stories else would they, they uh, need that. Yeah. I can buy it. I can buy because, it. Because if you go back to the cage, you are basically, if there's, because there is actually a, a scene and they even show this in the uh, flashbacks that we that we get. They're basically watching the two of them on television. So that's their entertainment in, in, in some sense of fashion. Hmm. So Kyle, let's stay with you for a second. That being said, do you think the content of what went on went on between Baby Spock, <laughs> Younger Burnham, was it really enough to cause this, you know, uh, proposed massive r- r- rift between the two? Um, pretty harsh comments, but was it enough to really separate them to this degree? Possibly, and I say that as. Look at it from the perspective of Spock being a combination of Vulcan and human and not understanding of we not understanding what that means, whether his two natures are coming together, you know, like, um, you know, two opposite forces of, you know, of how to react to things. Who's to say that the little kid didn't hear this person that he actually, you know, admired and loved and throughout time has created and uh, this resentment. Think of it, you know, if, if, if I get ill, you know, with somebody, if I get mad at somebody and never say anything about it and two years down the road, I'm still thinking about it. Well, chances are I'm going to be a lot madder two years down the road than I was at the date it actually, you know, whatever that was happened. So I could kind of see that. Um, maybe, maybe not. I think it just depends on the person. Carrie, let me, you have thoughts. Yeah. Let me frame it another way for you. Imagine you're, you're in kindergarten, you know, and you're just <laughs> this super shy kid in first grade, second third grade, third grade, you don't make any friends. You're super shy. You're super isolated. And then in fourth grade, you know, you make a friend. And it's the okay. only friend you have. And it's, you know, and it and it opens you to, you know, being social with other people. And this person has just kind of opened this new, whole new world up to you, you know, and you hold this person in very, very high regard. And then in the fifth grade, 
this kid turns on you and like embarrasses you in front of the entire class and makes you look like a total fool and never speaks to you again. Like that would have a profound effect on your human, you know, and your oh, human interaction. Yes. Yes. Like that's kind of what I see this as is like he didn't have any friends. He didn't, you know, everybody around him was extremely logical. You know, his Sarek has isolated his mother from him because his mother doesn't even, you know, comfort him in a human like manner anymore. And like Burnham's like all he has, you know. Yeah. So when this happens, it it I, I could understand how this could affect him, you know, but that's just me. I don't know. Very good point. Jeremy, did you have thoughts on this? You know, I, 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 I can see where, what both of you are saying. But I just, to me, it just feels like a gross overreaction. And I think if if Spock's really as smart as he as he as everybody wants us to believe he is, at some point down the line, somebody would have realized that hey, maybe there's something more to this. Let me go find out. Let me go investigate. And well, I, I, I think- would agree with you normally, but he's not. He's not a human. He he has part of him is 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 human. Another half part of him is Vulcan. And like this could this could I could see how this could completely close the door on that human part of himself. And he sees this logically as what happens when you let people get too close to you. So logically, he's not going to let it happen again. Oh, good. That that burns. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, man. Um, And I definitely can see an an event, even if you just say you're a human kid. I can see an event like that happening at that age beginning to shape you for the rest of your life, even if it's, we're not talking about Vulcan versus human, um, and, and logic on one side and human emotion on the other, but just a normal person. If something like that happens to you at, at that tender age, I can definitely see it shaping you going forward. I mean, we don't have to say, I mean, and there's no need for us to say, but I guarantee you, if we all four of us ask ourselves, Remember something that helped shape you fundamentally. I guarantee you within a few seconds, each of us could think of something. So very good point. I, I, I just think holding it for this long for as intent as he has, because it, it's a very intense hatred of what of, of Michael. I, I just think it's it's irrational. I don't, I don't think he hates her anymore. I don't. Yeah. I don't either. He is he well, is I mean, he has let go he has let anymore. go of his emotion like this is just a logical thing for him it, it doesn't have anything to do with emotion at least in my eyes it doesn't so let let's just go a little bit further in the story let's talk about Vina and the Talosians um and let's just talk a little bit and maybe this more is more of a cow question let's talk about how Vina is portrayed in this episode. And um, maybe we talked about this a little bit already uh, versus the, the the failed TOS pilot 50 years prior. Um, what if, what is our overall opinion of just Melissa George versus um, Susan Oliver so many years ago? And Kyle, what did you think about the comparison of performances? That's why my brain needed to explain why there was such a difference that because, you know, our friend Lee from Discussing Who often says, give me an explanation or give me a reason and I'm fine with it as long as you give me a reason. Well, that's why I needed a reason. This one seemed a little more, I don't know, sultry than the other one. And maybe it's just the difference of the time and the difference of, you know, the way things were presented then, but this one seemed, I don't know, just a little more real than the other one. Yeah. And we have to realize that over the past three years, she's been living with a, a, a Talosian uh, projected version of Pike there on Talos four. Mm-hmm. So that might be why she's a little more, human uh as as opposed to what she was before she had never been around any people you know so maybe mm, good point yeah so maybe it's just that three years that she's had with the fake pike <laughs> that has made her just a little bit more uh of what we think of a normal human reaction and everything like that 
So Eric gave us some more feedback on this. I'm going to read this real quick. Back on Talos 4, Melissa George's interpretation of Vina was excellent. She was faithful to the original role betrayed by Susan Oliver. However, she brought a postmodern depth to the character that is refreshing, yet did not in any way seem out of place or disrespectful to Susan's original portrayal. That was amazing. Excellent writing, directing and acting. So the Talosians had few words in this episode, few words. And just real quick, um, or maybe I guess Jeremy seen the case as well. Uh, what do we think of the Talosians verse versus what we know of them in the prior, in the cage? Um, not a lot to go on because they didn't speak much, but any thoughts there? And maybe not. We can just move on, but I just throw it out there real quick. All right. Well, for me, I, I like the look of them. And I I thought that they were consistent. I liked the updated feel of them. And, and again, like the gentleman who gave the feedback, they were faithful to the original, but yet they felt updated. They felt different, but yet they felt the same. I, I bought the Talosians better than I bought Vina, e- even though she, the actress did a amazingly great job i bought them better than i bought her but what about you clarence what do you think uh i totally bought her as 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 well the telosians and vena both as you know these characters brought forward uh, again like the telosians there's little to say because they barely speak in this episode i do think the look and feel of them again being updated like you said looked very on spot on and just a good translation of what we had before, but looks very modern and of this day. Now, if you talk about Vina again, I agree with you that she was sultry is the word you use. Maybe yes. I would say just a little more affectionate. Um, the moment she had between her and Pike in, in the ready room, just when Pike jumps back from seeing her on the desk reflection, just wonderful, wonderful moment. Um, and, you know, to have that glimmer right there that bridges history with current Trek and his reaction, you know, I, I just love that in spades. It was beautiful. So let's, let's get a little bit more into discovery happenings. The new improved Culber. <laughs> I think Culber along with Tyler and along with Saru have had like some very big journeys from season one, they have these dualities battling within each of them of, of being, you know, we have a new body. We have a, a Klingon versus human. We have a pre Vaharai versus, um, a, a changed without fear, Saru. So what do we think about Culber dealing with these issues? And also, like, do you have any theories on what might be going on with him going forward? And I thought it to Carrie. Let them battle to the death. <laughs> what is Rue <Saru> thinking? <laughs> that was to me the most shocking thing about all this. Rue was like, "Let them fight, bring them out, bring them out, let them fight." <laughs> this must resolve itself. Yeah, man. It's- um, I don't know. Like, as far as he goes, as far as Cobra goes, um, his memory, like, it would be like if somebody took your brain and put it in another body. I know it looks like him, but it's a completely new body. And he was dead and he was running from those things. I can't remember what they're called, but he he was running from those um things in the in the upside down. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, network. and then all of a sudden he's back on the ship and, you know, he's walking around with the person that snapped his neck. And like it, it had to have been a lot to take in. Yeah. And, you know, while he's trying to process all this, he's got stems like here, here's your food. <laughs> I, I I made you dinner or whatever. I don't know. He didn't make it, but whatever. Like it's just like I I I can totally understand how he was freaking out. Yeah, and he just probably needed some space to process everything. But you know, Stamets was trying to like bring back the glory days, and he's like, man, I I don't even know who I am. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it, it just I have a lot of sympathy for that character because you know he was dead, right? Essentially. And now he's not. And, you know, that's great. But it also carries a lot of implications. So um, I'm really interested to see how that where they go with his character. I don't think he's going to be a medical officer anymore, especially after seeing <laughs> him fight. 
But yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with them. <laughs> so, uh, Jeremy, that's not how it works. So, uh, how, how does it work? I mean, we have no information on Vok versus Tyler. Were you surprised that, that first of all, Cobra approached him to try to beat the Vok out of him? And, and what about Vok's, <laughs> <laughs> and what about Tyler's reaction to the whole scenario? Um, Man, I, I was surprised to see him go at it. I mean, just just waylay on his ass, and <laughs> I mean, it's not not unfounded, by the way. I mean, this is because this is the guy who killed him. <laughs> now he has a chance to beat his ass. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not shocked that any of this happened. I mean, it's it, it's obviously classic post traumatic stress syndrome, and it's going to manifest yeah. one way or another. Yeah. So, uh, I think, you know, I was just as surprised as y'all were that Saru just said, okay, just let, let them fight it out. Let them get it out of their system. They'll be okay. Um, yeah, this is not how it works, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, but I don't, I don't think it's worked yet. I don't think it's, I don't think it's done with that yet. Yeah. Um, and as far as the new body, I mean, he's, he's, you know, like, like Carrie, I think it was Carrie said, you know, it, this is a old brain, new body. How do you how do you live with that? How do you process that? Yeah, and I don't I don't think Stamets helped by trying to make everything just the way it was. I mean, he wasn't trying. I mean, I mean he he meant well. He did. His heart was in the right place, but his head wasn't. You, you know, I mean, you hit it to me. You hit it right on the head talking about post dramatic dramatic traumatic stress with somebody in a war coming home and, and the wife wants everything to be just like it was, or I guess it could be the husband wants everything to be just like it was when they come home after war. But that person is still going through it in their head. And it's hard to uh, separate their current normal, happy go lucky life from just being almost killed in, in, in Colbert's case, actually killed, uh, not too long ago. So I definitely like how they did it here. And I, I, I'd agree that maybe a lot of soldiers can relate to what's going on in the situation. Now, Cal, I want to ask you about what, about Saru's reaction to the whole thing in particularly. And do you think, what do you think that holds for Saru going forward? Because I, I, I'm not sure about Saru. I'm, I'm kind of puzzled about what we're going to get. You know, I think that's what is so cool about the character is we're able to sit here and you ask the question that you just did and follow it up by saying, I don't know what we're going to get. You took this character that was so cookie cutter and I, and what i mean by that is I was going to say scaredy pants but go ahead yeah but but but, <laughs> but 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 the scaredy pants was the character that from the cookie cutter mold that he played yeah. i mean you understood when you watched star trek the next generation you knew that data was the childlike curiosity uh he's going to have some type of awkward thing that he's going to say that he doesn't understand and you're going to see the look on his face when he eventually gets it that was in many ways the character that he played yeah. likewise with saru he was the one that was supposed to be always cautious always scared now he's not and what does he get to become now yeah that's the question that's the question so I know we got the Ariums. Well, I'm not going to say Arium. Someone sabotaged the spore drive as well as sent out encrypted communications from Discovery. Does anybody question it was Arium? We kind of just know it was Arium, right? It was definitely her. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they pointed the finger pretty good at her. <laughs> and poor Tyler's like, I could never live this Vought down. He's bringing me down at every turn. <laughs> yeah, you go to your room. Uh, I could find the quarters. <laughs> And I just have to say that was a masterstroke by the AI or whoever's controlling her to like pin everything on him and use his clearance codes. Like that was just genius. I was just like, wow, yeah. they totally nailed him. Yeah. 
Yeah, poor Tyler. And I don't like him anymore, but poor Tyler. So, um, I don't know, though. I don't, why don't you like him? What's unlikable about him? Well, I guess you weren't on those episodes, but the last episode when he was kept, when he kept telling Captain Pike, about you're mad because you missed the war. He said it like fifty times. This just got on my nerves. I was on board with him until then. I'm like, he was leave, right. Like, leave he was Pike right. alone. Leave him he alone, right. man. Nobody he wants. He was right, and Pike even told him he was right. Like uh, that was a cop out to me. Come on, Pike. Don't give him the glory. <laughs> don't give him <laughs> that. The glory. That was their bro moment. They were, you know, they were buds now. Let's bond a little bit. See, like it's the opposite for me because, like, I didn't, I didn't like Ash in the first season. Like, I couldn't stand him. And now, like, I'm kind of sympathetic toward him, kind of the same way in, like, Game of Thrones where I hated Jamie Lannister. And, like, now I'm sort of sympathetic toward him. Um, it's To me, it's kind of the same thing. His his character's gotten in, more interesting to me. Yeah, well, definitely when you talk about this episode, the his fight with Colbert, and although I thought it was kind of dumb because they haven't explained it, but the moment when he said it doesn't work that way, that made me that made me go to him a little bit more and like him just a little bit more because I'm like, OK, like like Culver, like Saru, he's trying to figure his mess out, too. And he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's just trying to figure this stuff out. And who knows? Vogt might come back one day. But until then, um, you know, Tyler, it's in the house. <laughs> so at the end, we get this whole rope dope trick scene with. Um, Section 31 and Burnham and Spock after Spock has, well, I guess we haven't even talked about Spock's memories. Let's, let's, let's hit that before we get into the rope dope they did with Section 31 at the very end. But let's talk about what Spock actually saw. Yeah. Um, what's going on with that? What's going on? A threat from the future that's going to destroy some planets. <sighs> Any thoughts? Mm, I kind of was the, that was kind of a honestly a kind of a letdown for me. Hmm, how so? You, you're always worried about the big bad that's coming to destroy everything. I mean, you know, that's just kind of like a sci-fi trope that's been used before. I would rather it be a or an individual that is pulling the strings as opposed to oh well here comes something that's going to destroy everything. Yeah. I kind of agree with you. It seemed a bit more interesting when we had this mysterious red angel that was coming and seemingly doing all these altruistic things in the past. And the fact that it's kind of got upended by the fact that, you know, somebody's going to come destroy everything. Um, of course we still have to find out the mystery who the red angel is, uh, some human female, Whoever that be, I'm saying either Jajor or Giorgio or Burnham, but you know, whoever it may be, you know, to me, the fact that it's now, like you said, a big bad that is coming back to wipe out everybody, it kind of puts a different spin on it. I don't know if I like that too much. Uh, Carrie or Jeremy, you have any thoughts on that? Um, as far as the Red Angel thing, this is going to sound stupid. Uh oh. But, but I think it might be Arium. That was my previous thought. That- you know, I feel like she's going to feel so guilty for assisting the robots in destroying the world <laughs> that she's going to try to go back in time and prevent it. Like, <sighs> but I don't know. Anyway, like, I don't know. As far as it being the unknown enemy, like that didn't bother me too much because at some point that's that's going to be revealed. We're going to find out, I believe, before the end of the season, there's what, eight episodes left. We're going to find out who the enemy is or what it is. So that didn't bother me as much. I was a bit shocked that as far as the whole destroy all human life thing, you know, because simply because like the reason I say that is because, you know, normally it's about conquering people or, you know, doing something like that. But the, also the other parallel is Arium destroying all the, the people in the other universe yeah. in the comics. So it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. What about you there, Jeremy? Any any thoughts on the whole impending doom in the future? Not yet. Not yet. I'm still brooding. I'm still <laughs> still knocking some stuff around. Cool. Well, we get this trick at the end by the Telosians who also did this um 
upon Burnham and Spock's approach to Talos four, they did this whole black hole thing, which I thought was pretty freaking cool. But at the end, as section 31 and Leland come to take the prisoners back to, I think Starbase five, I think is the closest to Talos four, Starbase 11. And, um, they do this projection thing and just end up tricking them. And now we have the discovery on the run fugitives and the whole bridge is down for it. (laughs) I don't know how I like that. I have no idea where they're going with that. And maybe you guys can chime in, but I really. (sighs) Two choices, the brig or go on adventure. I would choose go on adventure. Is it just me or is there any chance for a ship to mutiny against the Federation? They jump right on it. Like the whole crew. Like no one really of note says, "Hey, maybe this isn't a bad idea." They're all like, "Yeah, let's let's screw them guys. Let's go do what we need to do." I mean, that usually happens, but to me, when it does happen in past series, is more of a gray area, you know. Whereas here, it seems like we're clearly defying the Federation orders, you know, and 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 that is kind of what makes it a little more harsh to me. I'm not saying that I don't like it for this story, but I think Pike's been playing in the gray area this entire season so far. Um, but I don't know it. Man, Burnham has to be tired of being on the wrong side, <laughs> you know, and she's right yeah, but back it's not there. just her this time. True. Good point. This whole idea of Section 31, I mean, in my eyes, and I know they're a part of, you know, the Federation, but if you're against 30 i mean if you're against section 31 that's to me not necessarily a bad thing good point and as you say that we will tie that back into spock's memory that he showed to burnham or of how he actually escaped the starbase and the inference from or i guess the the um the actual charges or that were put against him of actually killing killing three people at the Starbase medical facility. And we find out it's just a straight up lie, just a straight up lie. So from that, I think something is really going on in section 31. I said the AI, but it could be Leland. It could be somebody else behind the scenes, but yeah, Kyle, you hit it on the head. Section 31 is up to some bad business, some bad business. And of course we have the, we have the view of seeing the full story to see why Discovery, uh, our fugitives are, don't want to go along with Section 31. But, you know, Pike's decision there at that moment really, you know, it didn't, if he had more information, I could see him making that decision, but he does it off of, of just trusting Spock, which might be the right thing. Maybe he just trusts Spock that much and I can see that happening. Mm, good point. All right, guys. Well, we were ready to wrap this thing up. Any any thoughts? That, any points that I missed in this episode that you guys want to hit real quick before we we are out of here? Okay, I'd like to mention something. I've been I read I've been reading some theories on this, so this is going to be super tinfoil tinfoily. Let's pull out the glasses. Um, okay, so in the first season, we had two characters named Michael and Gabriel, who were both archangels. Uh-oh. So Michael is represented by. <sighs> Blue, I believe, and Gabriel's white. Oh. Um, there's also an archangel uh, represented by red, and their name is Uriel or Ariel in some, you know, pronunciations. Um, and the color for Ariel's red. Mm. So, are we saying Arium is Ariel? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> It's a whole new world. I can interesting. Even, I can even see it. If they hadn't have said it was a female already, I could even see it possibly being Prime Lorca in a sense. I would love for it to be Prime Lorca. I would love to, to have do him do something. That hmm. would be cool. Um, I just thought it was interesting that. Good. You know, there. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words on that one. But that yeah, is- like my brain is like trying to. Stitch everything Carrie just said together. So, yeah, blown brain. All right. 
Well, uh, we will let the our listeners ponder on that. If you have feedback, please send it in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any of the social medias, as it were. Guys, let's go around the horn real quick and see what everybody's working on, podcast-related or otherwise. And Jeremy, I'll start with you, man. What do you have for us, dude? Um, I'm just trying to work on getting better, getting my health back to where it was. Yeah, man, uh, we yeah. are. We're glad that you've bounced back so quickly. <laughs> man, me too. Let me tell you, that was kind of scary there for a while. Yeah, man, well, get get better, dude. Carrie, man, what are you working on podcastly or otherwise? Um, you know, hopefully we'll get us a nice new episode to take the this week, Wednesday. Oh, yeah. 9 p.m. Um, so check us out. You know, we're, we'll talk about just about anything tech related uh we'll come up with some stories and kind of have some discussions around that and you know if you join us on our facebook live you know you're you're able to interact with us and ask questions so you know tune in awesome cal jones what are you working Uh, on man podcast well you you and i just finished uh yesterday evening a review of Captain Marvel, and it should go out on Discussing Comics, another podcast that we do in the next couple of days. So check out DiscussingComics.com for that. And like I said, we were talking Captain Marvel. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check that out. That was a fun review to do. And as well as Carrie said, we also do tech news on TechMedition.com. And check out J&J Stars Talking as well from Jonathan and Jeremy over there. Um, guys, thank you for joining us. If you stuck with us this long, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast platform of your choice. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe